Let's open our Bibles today to Psalm 69. Psalm 69. We've been saying that during the summer for more than 10 years. We call it our Songs of Summer series. And we're taking about eight weeks each summer, sometimes nine weeks. And we're just working song by song by song through the Old Testament hymn book of God's Word. While you're finding your place there at Psalm 69, I want to remind you that uh, tonight, Sunday night, uh, that we will be gathering here on the property to pray together. So come in one entrance. You'll be directed to a parking place. Tune your radios to 88.7. And uh, we're going to spend about 30 minutes together praying together in our cars. It's a way for us to get ready again uh, to worship the Lord together on this property. So come be a part of that tonight. And then remember to register for Sunday, June 21st, our first uh, gathering on the property in person, out of our cars, and we will uh, be outdoors. And, but we need to know who's coming, so please go to our website and register for that. I have not uh, made a beach trip this year. I know that some of you have, some of you have not, and probably a lot of us won't this year. But I have thought about it, and there have been several times when I have uh, kind of closed my eyes and just imagined what it would be like to be at the beach, sitting there on my front porch. And I can hear the uh, sounds of the birds, I can hear the waves crashing on the shore, I, I think about the smells, the food, the sunsets, the sun rises, and uh, it, it, it comes to my mind, especially thoughts about the waves, and when I think about the waves at the beach, there are usually two different responses to those waves. I personally sit on the beach a lot and just watch the waves. I don't get in them a whole lot. But I notice that when people are in the waves, that people are either overjoyed or they are overwhelmed. Uh, people get in the waves and you hear them laughing, jumping, giggling, squealing. They jump the waves, ride the waves, dive into the waves. It is like their delight of being at the beach. But there's another crowd, and that's those that are overwhelmed by the waves. And you can sit there sometimes and watch someone get caught off guard by a wave. It pounds them in the back and drives them into the sand. Or they think there's a small wave coming, but actually by the time it gets to them, it's a massive wave. And it just rolls them over and they're overwhelmed by the waves. Psalm 69 calls my attention to the waves. And Psalm 69 is not a psalm of waves that overjoy. It is a psalm of waves that overwhelm. In fact, if you're looking there at Psalm 69, you will see that the heading over that psalm, simply, th uh, simply four words, save me, O God. Save me, O God. And it is a psalm that right at the very beginning, the first phrase of verse 1, save me, O God, lets us know that this is the writer of a song, the writer of a psalm that feels overwhelmed. It feels like they need rescuing. They need someone to come and help them. In Psalm 69, 
my hope is, is that we will recognize that God will save us in overwhelming circumstances. James Montgomery Boyce wrote about this psalm that it is a classic lament. It is a classic lament. The word lament may be a word that you've heard often over the last few weeks. Lament simply is a word that describes a passionate expression of grief, sorrow, or pain. And Psalm 69 is this passionate expression of sorrow, a passionate expression of grief, a passionate expression of pain. With the freshness of a morning headline, this 3,000-year-old song has been preserved for us to give our lamenting hearts a way to breathe, a way to float, a way to be rescued. And some of you today, as you hear Psalm 69 and you walk through Psalm 69, perhaps you can identify with the grief or the sorrow or the pain that King David writes in this song. There are many things that we lament over in this life and we are left in Psalm 69 wondering exactly what it is that King David is lamenting over. We get some clues, we get some hints by the words that he puts into his lament. Today as you listen to this psalm you might find yourself experiencing grief or sorrow or pain because of the death of a loved one. Over the last few weeks, I have heard from some of you. I've walked beside some of you. I have interacted with some of you. And I know that the story for many in our church would be that there have been times that are worthy of a lament. The death of loved ones, be that a parent or a grandparent or a brother or a sister. An unexpected diagnosis from a doctor that you didn't see coming. The disappointment that has come up because your job, your work, your career is not working out like you thought it would work out. The discouragement of a relationship between you and your children or between you and your parents. Many in our church and many in our community and around our nation are walking through times of pain and sorrow and grief because of injustice. Because of conflict that has, been, uh, has risen in their heart and their life in these days because of issues between blacks and whites. There are lots of different things that we can find ourselves lamenting over. Some of you have lost your job. Some of you have seen a relationship end or you have seen a relationship be hurt by lies, and gossip, slander. Some of you have walked through great difficulty because of a trust that has been broken. Psalm 69 gives us an opportunity to be able to, to take that lament 
to the Lord. I want you to see as we work through this Psalm 69, waves of lamenting. They, they, they crash in in this psalm. It's not just once and then it's over, but at least three times David writes in this song words that describe a, a, a pained heart, a grieving heart, a sorrowful heart. Lament number one is found in verses 1 through 12. It's a, it's a long piece of this chapter. It, it searches for every word he seems he could find to identify something that would show that he's sinking, slipping, in distress. He is describing a, a situation where it appears that he might even drown because of the circumstances that are going on. Listen to what it says in verse 1. Save me, O God. For the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Mighty are those who would destroy me, those who attack me with lies. What I did not steal, must I now restore? Oh God, you know my folly, David is saying. You, God, I'm not perfect. But it doesn't seem like what I've done wrong is the cause of what I'm going through right now. He says, oh God, you know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. Let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me. O Lord God of hosts, let not those who seek you be brought to dishonor through me, O God of Israel. For it is for your sake that I have borne reproach. That dishonor has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my mother's sons. For zeal for your house has consumed me. And the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. When I wept and humbled my soul with fasting, it became my reproach. When I made sackcloth my clothing, I became a byword to them. I am the talk of those who sit in the gate and the drunkards make, make songs about me. David's lament begins with, save me, Lord. I feel like I'm about to drown. The water is rising. It ends with this description in verse 12 where David is saying, I feel like I have become the, the, I have become the jokes. I have... Be, I have uh, experience the jabs. Uh, they're, they're, they're even writing songs about me to make fun of me. He's lamenting before the Lord. This long, rambling, painful description of him being in a place of pain and sorrow. And he can't figure out why. But then this lament one is met with prayer. You know what he does? In the face of this great distress, here's what he does. He lets God hold it. He puts it in God's hands. He lays out his distress before the Lord and he, he is emotional. He's searching for words and he cries out to God. But then he says, okay, God, here, it's in your hands. He lets God hold it. Look at verse 13 and you see how he moves from this lament to this prayer. And he says, but... As for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, at an acceptable time, O God, 
in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. Deliver me from sinking in the mire. Let me be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Let not the flood sweep over me or the deep swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. Is what David is saying. I'm hurting. I'm being, I am in pain and sorrow and I can't even figure out the cause. But Lord, here's my prayer. In your time, in your time, save me. It is a, it is a confession of trust in God where he's saying, Lord, all of this that I got going on in my life, I'm just going to let it be in your hands So in your time, not my time, I, I, I don't know when you're going to work, but I'm going to I'm, I'm let you hold it. Here you go. And it's almost there where verse 18, he says, draw near to my soul, redeem me, ransom me because of my enemies. It's almost like you think the psalm could end and he could just lay down in peace, asleep. But I picture verse 19, him waking to a new morning. and It's like the, the psalm changes and there's lament number two. And that's where these waves, they just keep crashing in. The first 12 verses, the wave washes over him. Almost, almost it seems emotionally to drown him. But then he says, but Lord, I'm going to let you hold it. It's in your hands. It's in your time. But then verse 19, it's back. The lament is shorter. It's a little more clear. It's almost like the writing out of the words and the prayer is working. It's like it's, it's narrowing down and he's beginning to grab a hold of more of what's going on. He says, verse 19, you know my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. My foes are all known to you. Reproaches have broken my heart so that I am in despair. I looked for pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst, they gave me sour wine to drink. It's a second wave of emotion. It's briefer, it's clearer. And what David is struggling here with most is this idea of reproach. He's carrying around in him some sense of shame that he's not real sure even why it's there. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like you carried some sense of shame and you really, you're like, Lord, it doesn't, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know why it's there, but I, I walk with this sense of reproach on me. Well, this second wave of lament shifts to uh, another prayer. The first lament was answered with this prayer of letting God hold it. Now listen real close. This second lament is answered with additional prayer. And I would call this as being King David, let God have it. But I don't mean let God, he lets God have it based on some kind of submissive, uh, uh, here Lord, you just, you just take it. What I'm describing here when I say he let God have it, I think the emphasis on the word have is important. I'm saying like we say maybe slang colloquially where we would say, I tell you what I did, I let him have it. And that's what David did at this point. He let God have it. 
It would be like what happens if you, you see a person, and probably none of you have ever done this, but you know somebody who has. Uh, maybe you, you go to a motel and, and you had registered for a room and they, they told you it would be ready and you get there and they say to you, sorry, we, we see that you were here, but we gave it to somebody else and we don't have a room for you. And you walk back out to the car and you tell your uh, wife, you say, they don't have our room. She said, what'd you do about it? You hit your hand on the dashboard. You say, I let them have it. You did? I did. I let them have it. King David here lets his emotions roll. One of the beautiful things about Psalms is the fact that it is not fake. These are songs that let us see the emotions of hearts and lives in a real and raw way. It's one of the attractive things about the Psalms. When we're, when we're hurting, when we're disappointing, when we're grieving, when we're sorrowful, when we're looking at life and we say life's not fair, we're looking at situations and why did this come to me? And we're, we're trying to figure out, can I say this or can I say that? Why do I feel like this? We say, read the Psalms. And it's almost like these kind of psalms give us voice. They, they give us someone to identify with. Verse 22 through 28, it is, it's hard. Listen to how David writes. He says, let their own table before them become a snare. And when they are at peace, let it become a trap. He takes everything that should bring joy to their life. And he's saying to God, Turn it against them. Verse 23, let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see. Make their loins tremble continually. Pour out your indignation upon them and let your burning anger overtake them. May their camp be a desolation. Let no one dwell in their tents for they persecute him whom you struck down and they recount the pain of those you have wounded. Verse 27, add to them punishment upon punishment. May they have no acquittal from you. And then he tops it off with the most heavy prayer of all. He says, let them be blotted out of the book of the living. Let them not be enrolled among the righteous. In these verses, in this prayer, David does not pray for the salvation of others. He prays for the damnation of others. Can you do that? Well, let me just ask you. Has there ever been a time where you felt that way? Has there ever been a time where you just thought, Lord, I don't want to say this out loud, but I wish you would just blot them out? This, these verses are what we call imprecatory prayers. They are prayers to God, asking God to bring judgment upon those that have in some way we feel like been unjust toward us or unfair toward us. And there's no question, we, we don't have to put on some kind of mask. We know that we have been in situations at work, in relationships, in society, where we thought to ourselves, Lord, I just wish it would come back on them.
It is the open, honest prayer of a lamenting heart. He doesn't say, Lord, I'm going to take things into my own hand. But he goes to God and he says, Lord, I need you to take this into your hand. There's a third lament. And it's much shorter and it's much briefer. And it's really descriptive of just where David is. And it's verse 29. Lament 1, lament 2, lament 3. And in verse 29, but I am afflicted and in pain. That's it. That's the third lament. The first one took 12 verses. Uh, The next one took three verses. This last one took half a verse. And it's kind of a picture of what happens with us when we're processing through sorrow. Sometimes it might take us three months. It might take us three years. It might take us three minutes. It might be something that happens in just the writing or singing of one song. And when it comes down to it, David says, oh, Lord, I'm afflicted and in pain. He said, I'm hurting. I'm twisted. My heart is in knots. And then this third lament is met by a third prayer. In lament one, he let God hold it. In lament two, he let God have it. And number three, lament three, he let God hear it. What do you do with your lament? I would offer to you that here's a pattern for what we can do with our sorrow and our pain and our grief. We can put it in God's hand but be prepared for another wave of emotion to come. For, and we put it out there where, Lord, this is just how I feel. I've just got to be real with you. I've just got to be honest with you. And then lament three, it is the picture of our life where when it all boils down to it, we're saying, I'm just hurting. And then what does he do? He lets God hear it. And in verse 30, what did he let God hear? He says, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Kidner writes about this psalm. He says, this shows us that the most desperate prayer can always end with doxology. We see the journey of a lamenting heart. Waves washing over. Perhaps you felt those waves crashing against you and in, these, in days of experiencing a broken trust or a broken dream or a broken hope. David begins to bring this psalm to a close. Verse 31, he says, This will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hoofs. When the humble see it, they will be glad. You who seek God. Listen, it's an incredible promise. He says, Let your hearts revive for the Lord Here's the needy. Just pause on that for just a moment. In your expression of pain and sorrow and grief, the rawness of, Lord, I'm embarrassed to even say out loud how I feel about this person or these people. King David comes around and he says, Lord, prayer's working. Prayer's working. I praise you. More than some kind of sacrifice, more than some kind of gift to bring before you, Lord, um, 
I give you praise. I give you thanksgiving. It's a phenomenal place to get to a point in our grief, in our pain, in our sorrow, where even in light of that, we can say to God, I praise you. It beckons us to the book of Job. And he declared before God, though you slay me, I will hope in you. I want to make four quick applications to this psalm and we'll be done. These three lament, these three sections of verses, waves of lament, responded to each by prayer, petition, and praise. Let me bring it home for us right now. Number one, there are waves of lamentable pain in every life that will threaten to drown us. We, we, just, we need to say that out loud from time to time. You're a teenager. Maybe you haven't experienced much pain. Maybe you're a college student. And you haven't been through much pain. Maybe you're 40 years old. Listen. It, 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 is, it is true at some point, at some time in every life. There are waves of lamentable pain in every life that will threaten to drown us, that will threaten to overwhelm us. Can I remind you, here we are in 2020, that this, you want to talk old songs? <laughs> this, this song is at least 3,000 years old. 3,000 years ago, an individual was saying, I feel like I am being overwhelmed by the waves. And here we are today still speaking of injustice, of broken trust and sorrow, pain, grief. Throughout Scripture, whether it's the Israelites and slavery in Egypt or Cain and Abel, right down, fast forward to 2020, we experience lamentable pain in our lives. Number two, the toll of this life is not always calculated based on what we consider fair. The toll of this life is not always calculated based on what we consider fair. We can look at situations and we feel the waves washing over us. We feel like we're about to drown. And one of the cries from our heart emotionally would be, Lord, what did I do to deserve this? Lord, why? Me, Lord, again? Lord, how long, Lord, still? King David's words describe this when he asked the question, must I pay for what I didn't steal? Such a poignant question because he's saying, Lord, I'm, I'm, having, to, I'm having to cover f- for some things that I really wasn't responsible for. We can cry and stake our ground and lament and say, this isn't fair. This is not what I signed up for in parenting. This is not what I thought would happen to my health. This is not where I saw my career going. This is not what I thought I would experience out here in everyday life. What we see as a story of life is that the toll of life isn't always calculated on what we would consider fair. Number three. Let God hold, have, and hear your pain because He can handle it. Lament one, lament two, lament three. He let God hold it. He let God have it. He let God hear it. 
And here's the great news. God can handle it. Some people say, I don't know if I can say why God. And I remind you that Jesus Christ himself called out to God. And he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't know if I can admit how I really feel about this relationship or about this situation or about where I am in my life. King David just poured it out there. Let God hear it. He can handle it. He already knows anyway. Galatians 6, 9 says, Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. Hebrews 4, 16 says to come boldly and confidently before the throne and, and because He will help us in our time of need. And Psalm 69 says beautifully, Let your hearts revive, for the Lord hears the needy. Number four. The, the wonders of our God will ultimately overwhelm the waves of our lament. Let me say that again. The wonders of our God will ultimately overwhelm the waves of our lament. King David came to a point to where he began to just state the wonders of God, the, the, the amazing character of God, the attributes of God. Listen to some of these. He says, But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, at an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me. He says, for your steadfast love is good, verse 16. According to your abundant mercy, answer me. Redeem me, ransom me, rescue me, save me. And do you know that God ultimately overwhelms the waves of our lament? He did that. In the fullest extent, in the person of Jesus Christ. Psalm 69 has the notoriety of being the most quoted psalm in all the New Testament. At least six times, verses from Psalm 69 are specifically quoted. And they are tied directly to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The suffering death of Jesus Christ. Fulfilled this psalm. You see, what Jesus did was that he answered this psalm. But he did it by taking on the sorrow and the injustice and pain for us. He suffered and died and bore the iniquity of us all. And today, you and I, when we look at those verses, those imprecatory verses where we're calling down judgment on those that we feel like have done wrong, you know what Jesus did? Jesus took that very judgment on his own shoulders. And what actually I was due, and what actually you were due, Jesus Christ took it upon himself. And so today, you and I, looking from New Testament perspective back, we don't stand waiting for God to damn those who have treated us wrong. You and I stand in the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of Jesus. 
praying for the salvation of others. Based on the fact that you and I have had our own sins forgiven. Sitting on the shore years ago of Tybee Island, I was watching out into the ocean and I saw what I had never seen. I had not spent any time on the East Coast beaches. I'm just sitting there on the sand and I'm looking out there and all of a sudden I see the most massive boat on the horizon. Actually, not really on the horizon. It, I almost feel like it could just reach out and touch. If any of you have been on that east coast along the Charleston area or Tybee Island area, the massive freight carrier ships are just there just floating through the water. And right in front of me were individuals who were being crashed by waves and knocked to the sand by waves. But out there just a few hundred yards, the waves were no match for that ship. In fact, the waves were overwhelmed by the mightiness of that ship. That's the picture that you and I have in this life as we live. As we face pain, as we face waves that can overwhelm us, you know where we put our trust? We put our trust in the mighty power of Jesus who overwhelms the waves of this life. I want you to pray with me right now. And I want to ask you, where's your trust today? You know the beautiful place for us to put our trust is in the person of Jesus Christ. Isaiah calls him the man of sorrows. When I say amen in just a moment, I want you to hang here for just another minute or two and worship with us. As Tim leads us in that great hymn, Man of Sorrows, what a name. Hallelujah. Father, I bow before you. I thank you that we can trust our pain and sorrow and grief to you. Lord, I pray that listening right now that people would let you hold it. Let you have it. Let you hear it. That we would trust you. That you can handle it. We exalt you, Christ. Thank you for bearing our pain for us. We praise you. We thank you. We rejoice in you. In Jesus' name, amen.